0: Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. I'm delighted to introduce you to Professor George Paxanos, a neuroscientist who has been credited with something quite remarkable. Professor Paxinos has identified and named more brain areas than anyone in history. He's a Greek Australian neuroscientist who is credited for having mapped the brain and spinal cord of humans. He studied at Berkeley, McGill, and Yale universities and was a visiting scientist at Cambridge, Oxford, Stanford, and UCLA. He's a professor of medical sciences at Neura and the University of New South Wales and was the past president of the Australian Neuroscience Society and the World Congress of Neuroscience. George Paxinos is also the author of 57 books on the subject of brain cartography, and his first book, The Rat Brain, is the most cited publication in neuroscience, and for three decades, the third most cited book in science. More recently, Professor Paxinos published his first novel, A River Divided, which uses his vast knowledge to examine the limits of science and the brain and considers the contributions of nature and nurture in the formation of attitudes. In this truly fascinating conversation with the dynamic, authentic, and charming scientist and philosopher, we discuss brain health, strategies for delaying dementia, and the future possibilities of regenerative medicine and nootropics on brain health. We also discuss intelligence, the role of genetics, poverty, and lifestyle in determining brain function and performance. He shares insightful advice on the impact of diet, exercise, and trauma, both physical and emotional, life experience, and education on optimizing our brain health. If you've never listened to an episode of Ageless by Rescue, I would urge you to make this your first. This is truly one of the most wonderful conversations I've ever had and certainly one that I am so proud to bring you. A lot of people
1: interested in uh, postponing dementia. Uh, we will age and the brain um, amongst uh, all other organs. Uh, indeed, uh, it is uh, the most evident uh, that is uh, uh, because that there resides uh, uh, what we are And uh, uh, it will age, and I presume none of us will not be not demented by the age of 100, if we make it to that. Uh, But Wow, that's not good news. (laughs) In fact, uh, one in two of us will have uh, dementia uh, by about uh, the age of 86, either you or me. Uh, and the battle is to postpone that date. So instead of being uh, 86 or half of us, to be 87, 88. And there are ways that the uh, neuroscientists have found to assist people with this. Uh, specifically, uh, well, to just put a disclaimer, neuroscience has not uh, cured any disease but neuroscientists are not altogether useless. (laughs) Hardly useless. They have identified factors that uh, predispose the person uh, to dementia, uh, including Alzheimer's disease, uh, and uh, factors that uh, can postpone dementia. uh, Amongst the best, uh, probably the, the most significant factor is exercise physical exercise, that is, walking, running, swimming, rowing, cycling, or group sports, provided you don't hit your head, because hitting the head is a predictor for earlier onset dementia than otherwise. Uh, And uh, there are other factors, of course, such as uh, uh, good eating habits, uh, and indeed, the cardiologists who emphasize the health of the heart, inadvertently they have resulted in a delay in the onset of dementia. Uh, It might sound paradoxical to your listeners, but fewer people are dementing today at their 80th birthday than 50 years ago. Of course, percentage-wise, not the absolute number, because we are more uh, now, and therefore there'll be more people dementing. But the percentage of people who are at their 80s and they are dementing is a smaller percentage than that 50 years ago. And these scientists attribute to the emphasis of the cardiologists on the health of the heart, uh, diet, exercise, cessation of... uh, uh, smoking. There are of course other predictors of uh, dementia. That is, that will bring dementia earlier, uh, such as depression, um, apnea, and people can do something about this, especially apnea. that is there? Uh, I'm
0: going to uh, ask you just to pick up on that. On you mentioned the divine, and for me, this was a really interesting aspect of the work that you do. You know, um, is the brain who we are? Is it where the soul resides? Is it our super consciousness? Or is it merely an organ that helps the physical body function?
1: Right. Well, brain has been uh, initially not in favor. The ancient Egyptians discarded the brain heedlessly and sent millennia of pharaohs brainless to their afterlife. Uh, it was Hippocrates, uh, the ancient Greeks, who Uh, said that uh, from the brain and from the brain alone derive uh, our pleasures, uh, uh, gesture, uh, as well as our uh, pain, grief, and tears. Uh, And uh, uh, of course, if you look now uh, to buy a Valentine's card with a brain on it, good luck. I went to Bondi Junction. uh, It's
0: only the heart. (laughs) But it's in the brain, it's in the brain. Anyone who's gone crazy in love will know that it is most certainly the brain that controls love.
1: Well, uh, I'm glad you agree. But this is not what is depicted. Uh, I went there to find a card for my uh, partner and I was confronted in the junction with 300 cards, all of them with at least one red heart on them, none of them with the brain. And uh, I wrote a letter in uh, the newspaper in The Conversation. Uh, 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 darling, I love you from the bottom of my brain. Uh, and uh, a journalist from Melbourne called me and she asked, are you insisting that the heart has nothing to do with love? I said, in, if in a heart transplant I receive your heart, I am not going to fall in love with your husband. (laughs) True. She said, what a pity, and he's such a lovely man. Uh, So, uh, yes, it is the brain, what we are, and this is evident uh, when uh, you, I mean, you mentioned uh, mentioned Alzheimer's disease earlier. Um, We'll have an unwelcome visit, most of us, before we die and uh, uh, our brain will shrink and so will uh, uh, our uh, consciousness of various things uh, to the point where at first uh, you will of course just not remember recent events you still remember the old events then you will start losing the old events you will not recognize your children you will not recognize you will not know who you are and the only thing you can correlate that is the brain Uh, and uh, therefore this consciousness which is a big problem for neuroscientists because they don't know exactly uh, what uh, feelings are, why we feel love. They know where it resides but uh, exactly how you perceive color, how you're satisfied, you feel hungry uh, or you feel happy, uh, that they don't know. Uh, but the, uh, there's no doubt, that they, there's no debate on this, that it is uh, the brain, if it were the soul. Well, I mean, uh, they, nobody used the word soul, even psychology. No academic psychologist that I know of uses the word soul. I believe none does, nowhere. There's no need to hypothesize that the soul exists.
0: Absolutely do have delusions of um, having a soul, so I'm glad I'm having this conversation with you. Um, I'm going to ask you something about the correlation between uh, psychology and neuroscience and the where they meet and where you help psychology. So the work that you did was on a post-mortem brain. Uh, and so you've mapped the human brain and uh, looked at it vis-a-vis other mammals. And, um, but what happens in the, t- uh, I, I, I guess one of the first things I'm interested in is what about intelligence? Is there why is there somebody who is more intelligent than another, and can you dial up intelligence, or is this a genetic predisposition?
1: Right. Uh, this question has been settled by psychologists some, uh, many years ago. Uh, that uh, uh, because psychology, at least some of it, is neuroscience itself. Uh, that there there are the Venn diagrams that you exactly, go. yeah. Uh, the domains, but uh, it was D. O. Hebb, I happened to study under him, who in 1949 described intelligence as something that uh, is formed by two things, genetic predisposition and environmental influences on that. So uh, if uh, uh, not everybody is genetically endowed the same, The brain uh, might have had the benefit of uh, a gene working just a little bit longer in someone and conferred some greater predisposition for intelligence. Who knows what uh, are the genes for intelligence? But there would be uh, certainly uh, predispositions. Uh, Then, of course, uh, the environment. And the environment starts from early on. actually even from the donation of the sperm or egg, but let us just stay beyond the egg and the sperm to the zygote, to the first embryo, the beginning of the embryo. Now, if the mother is drinking, smoking, well, that's already a disadvantageous, disadvantageous environment. So that person will not actualize their genetic potential. If... Uh, the uh, family is poor, they are less likely to check for um, gestational diabetes or for factors which may result in uh, uh, insufficiency of uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the the uterus uh, of the uh, Lacunda, the placenta. placenta. Yeah, the placenta in the third trimester, and they don't take the appropriate steps to mitigate that uh, expected insufficiency because they didn't do the right uh, uh, prenatal tests. If they are poor, they're already condemned. And
0: there, I mean, there's a lot of talk about nootropics and, um, you know, tinctures. Yeah. Um, mushroom derivatives and I know that there's a drug for um, narcolepsy that you know was very popular in Silicon Valley um, that was used as you know what they referred to as the limitless drug that would open up the neural pathways in your brain and help you focus better think better expand your cognition Um, do you think that there is a place for that in neuroscience and, and in brain health
1: as long as the mushrooms are not poisonous, <laughs> uh, they uh, wouldn't hurt. Uh, but uh, the evidence that I read on between comparisons between some uh, nootropic drugs, as you mentioned, uh, and uh, coffee was that there wasn't much in it. Uh, so you don't have much difference between coffee, which perks you up, uh, and uh, those uh, drugs. So uh the uh, cure to start with, because you mentioned either arrest or cure of uh, dementia, mm-hmm. uh, the cure I see uh, uh, far away, if ever, uh, you could imagine theoretically ways if you identify a substance, let's say a breakdown product that accumulates in the brain, let's say, that produces those plaques, that's amyloid protein that accumulates there and interferes, the plaques interfere then with the function of the brain, that you can actually shake it off with ultrasound. And they tried that. But when they tried on humans, it didn't work. Uh, Strangely, in the rat, it worked.
0: So what were they doing with the ultrasound? They were creating a vibration to remove the plaque from the parts of the brain that were affected?
1: Shaking it off, yeah. Uh, and so you can theoretically think of ways of reversing the symptoms if you find the product, uh, the uh, say degradation byproduct from the brain that accumulates there and shouldn't be there, should have been transported out of the brain, but wasn't. And you manage to encourage that product to get out. But so far yeah, they haven't succeeded and uh, uh, therefore to cure the disease, since it's not only for accumulation of byproducts, but also cell death, right? That's right. Also accumulation of products, not outside of the cell, but as the plaques are, but inside the neuron. That is, a neuron uh, needs to expel those things that are then uh, useless, uh, but with age, they have inability to do that. Uh, a number of the neurons and they accumulate. They call them inclusions. That's self-explanatory. Inclusions. They include something that they shouldn't. They should have expelled it. Well, if you have those, I can't see that be an easy way to expel them. I might find one day a way, but it looks uh, diff- very difficult and they interfere. So you're not going to correct that person, even if you get rid of some of the other stuff that accumulates outside the neuron, and that might confer some some benefit, you will still have the inclusions inside the neuron, and maybe one day you'll manage to encourage the neuron to expel those inclusions and improve even their situation, And then you're faced with a cell death, that neurons die. Well, you mentioned uh, uh, the uh, neurogenesis. I think there is as neuro, many neuroscientists, many people at large, think that the neuroscientists discover something. This is known for a long time that there is cells that are born, and they have taken advantage uh, the rehabilitation specialists, of retraining the person in maths in. Language in skills, uh, but we have to keep that into perspective. I hope you enjoyed this
0: episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that.